Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of May 18th. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, healthcare marketing agency that puts out the podcast. And we have with us on my right. That's me. And Adam, you are Adam Meyer. Good to be here. And I'm Jackie Retacco. On my left. That's welcome, close. guys. Welcome back, Jackie. It's been a few weeks since you've joined us. Thanks. Yes, I've been absent. You've been traveling around the world. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. We're gonna have Thanks. a we're gonna have a fun session today. I think we're all a little we're all a little chippy this morning. I think is a good way to put it. We're having technology issues, <laughs> so email's been down. Search engine's not working. Printer isn't working. Caffeine's flowing. Printer's not working. It wasn't for a while. Yeah, it wasn't printing. <laughs> it would do other things. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually start this podcast with something that. Jackie thinks is foolhardy, but I think it's <laughs> awesome. And I just uncovered this. I read about it in Fast Company. And of course, you have to have an iPhone, but it's an iPhone app, and I think it's a dollar. And it's called Ocarina. And it's this little deal that turns your iPhone into like this futuristic flute. And so when you start it, you, you literally blow into the iPhone, into the microphone. I'm going to try it for you guys. And then there's these little buttons that you push, okay? So hopefully this comes out. Ready? You got to do it into the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) So cool, right? It sounds really cool. But the Mm -hmm. really neat part is it allows you to, it's got this awesome 3D graphic of the globe. And you can real time check out anybody else who's playing the ocarina. (laughs) And you can listen to how, I mean, there's just people all over the world. And you can kind of zoom in. So I'm going to pick one here. Joey. I don't know who Joey is, but Joey looks like he is in the south coast of England. And he's playing this lovely ditty. Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> he stopped. And my kids, I know, love this. It's very freaky. If you do it at night, if you see this, whoa, if you see this graphic, okay, that guy was, he was on some kind of medication <laughs> there. If you see this, you won't believe it. You really have to experience it. So, Adam, you're getting it now? I'm searching for it. <clears throat> oh, I found it. O-C-A-R-I-N-A. I think it's Ocarina is how you pronounce it. O-C- yeah. We'll provide a link in our show tunes to the iTunes app store if you're interested. It's only a dollar. It's only a dollar. <laughs> only a buck. <laughs> and the only danger is if you let other people use it, they're, you're letting other people blow into your iPhone, which <laughs> who knows what's going to end up in my microphone and my kids do it, so... <laughs> Anyway, I just thought that'd be kind of a sprightly way to start the podcast. Yeah? Indeed. No? Indeed? It's very pleasant. <laughs> it was pleasant to that last guy. <laughs> Something was wrong with his. All right. <laughs> so let's jump into healthcare marketing. We wanted to start with uh, just talk a little bit about courage in healthcare marketing. We posted a blog this week about, well, it's titled Great Healthcare Marketing Requires Great Healthcare Leadership, meaning the folks that are that lead our organizations, CEOs, COOs, uh, physician leaders, to have sustained long-term successful marketing efforts, these organizations need really great people in those positions because they're the ones in the end that uh, enable the marketers to do what they need to do. And one of the things we talked about, one of the attributes was the ability to kind of look beyond what they see being done in the healthcare community now uh, try new things, innovate, take risks. 
So we wanted to just throw out some examples of that. Uh, we gave a couple in the, in the blog, but uh, the one that comes to mind locally here in the Twin Cities that started last year was Health Partners. And we've talked about this one before, but uh, they had a campaign that started last year to promote some of their, uh, the turnaround times, I think, and some of the services they offered, lab services. Uh, and it revolved around these life-size mascots, such as Petey the Peacup. So they had a giant urine sample cup, six-foot-tall urine sample cup, that they basically moved around the Twin Cities. And for a while, it was just down the street from our office. And it literally looked like it had been used. So you walk up to this big <laughs> health partner's urine sample cup that's as tall as I am, and three-quarters of it, it looks like it's full, three-quarters full of, of urine. urine, which clearly it wasn't. But it was. It looked that way. I mean, they were, really weren't hesitating. It certainly wasn't clear. It was more of a yellow. It was more of a yellow. Hue. Right. <laughs> it was clear in a sense that it was obvious that that was the intention anyway. And they had right. another one called Pokey the Syringe, which I remember when they first launched this, they had Pokey the Syringe uh, at the Metrodome out on the plaza, and somebody told them they should take it down because the Twins were playing the Yankees, and there was a bunch of <laughs> there was nice. a bunch of steroid controversy with Jason Giambi, and they thought we better maybe they'll think this is against them. So I think that was a very courageous marketing effort, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're going out there in a very different way. You, they drew tons of attention. I mean, they got national press, uh, not just healthcare, but marketing, advertising, a lot of the national networks ran stories. Uh, so from that sense, it was successful. Don't you guys think that's, that takes some Kihonis? Yes. I liked it. I thought it was yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I haven't, I, I was trying to search again, technical issues this morning. I was trying to search for some results to see what they had found, but I've heard positive things about it, meaning they've, they've had success with it beyond just the press they're getting. So that was one. Another one that I, I threw out this morning and we had, we started a very passionate debate. So we said we better save it <laughs> was Geisinger health system. So they're based out of Pennsylvania and I think this was last year, uh, but it's received a lot of press nationally. They instituted what they call their proven care offer, which basically says it was, it was uh, tied to coronary artery bypass surgery and all of the pre- and post-operative care that you would receive. They basically set a flat price for that and said, this is what it's going to cost. And no matter what happens, you're going to pay that amount. And so the warranty was... Uh, the, the, the catch here was, if a preventable complication puts you back in the hospital within 90 days, Geisinger will eat the cost. Okay? So they're saying, hey, this is what it should take to get this done. It's going to cost you this much. And if something comes up that we could have prevented that forces you to come back in the hospital, it's not going to cost you any money. Now, I thought that was extraordinarily courageous. I think that's, that's, that's really going out there on a limb in an area where you can't always guarantee what's going to happen and what the, I'm sure there are some caveats to what would qualify, but if you're going to put out something like this, you got to be careful with putting too many restrictions on it, but I'm not sure you guys, Jackie and Adam were necessarily as adamantly <clears throat> excited about that. So well, tell me, we'll just explain some of your concerns with it. I, Oh, I'm sorry. Was, our time is up. <laughs> that was a nice ring. All right, go ahead. Uh, you know, I, in essence, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing to do. It's just that I think as a as a campaign, as a promotion, it's a hard message to put out there. Hey, if we screw up, your 
surgery, which is going to be life altering already, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it for free. It's the last thing I want to think about if I'm going in for surgery. You know, not that I've had surgery often. I have my wisdom teeth removed, my appendix removed. That's the extent of my experience with surgery. I did get an infection after I had my wisdom teeth removed. My face swelled up to like three times. Oh, that explains Normal it. size. <laughs> Hasn't quite come Fun. back down yet. <laughs> but, um... I don't know when that, I mean, obviously that was minor and common. I didn't necessarily hold it against the physician. It was something that I was going to go back and tell him, fix my fat face. Um, but obviously that's a pretty minor case of getting an infection. I mean, I certainly you could, if you get the wrong limb removed, it's not like that can even be fixed. Right. And that's an extreme example. But the last thing I want to think about is something getting messed up when I'm going in. But don't you think if you were going in for serious surgery, you would want an honest opinion of, I mean, you always want an honest opinion of, okay, this has got a 50% chance of working or 80% or 90% or whatever. And unless something goes wrong that we can't foresee, it's, you know, everyone's realistic about any kind of surgery's got risk to it. Well, and that's another, I mean, if I'm going in for something that has like a 60% chance of being successful anyway, I know that I'm taking that risk. So is it really within my Mm-hmm. rights to come back to the to the doctor and say it didn't work it's your fault when i knew there was a 40 percent chance that it wasn't going to be effective anyway well when chris when you first mentioned it you just said you know if they screw up on the surgery you know originally i was like all right well if they op- operate on the wrong appendage then that's a little that's why i kind of giggled when you first mentioned right. it. but it's, when you get into the details of it it seems more legitimate the, the warranty says if it's a preventable complication Right. So, so when you think about the way the system, I mean, you can talk about whether that's odd or whatever, but consider they're the only ones in the country <laughs> offering it. That means all the other folks out there, if there's a preventable complication, you're paying for it. Now, for the most part, people haven't given a two craps about that because, well, insurance pays for it, so it doesn't really matter. But now, with so many people who don't have insurance and so many people who have high deductible plans, this makes a difference. And when you think about it from... The internal perspective, the incentive that gives that surgical team to do better. You know, if, if there's no if there's no penalty for making a preventable error, then you're less likely to strive to avoid it. I mean, clearly you're going to try, but this just adds one more incentive for you to, to really try to get it right the first time. Right, right. Well, it shouldn't I, be the incentive. what it comes down to. Too, I mean, it's hard to define. It certainly could be hard. I'm not going to say it is hard. It could be hard to define success and failure when it comes to some of these situations. A, a physician could look or a surgeon could look at what he did for me and say, that was a success. Where I, as I could look at it and say, this still doesn't, this doesn't feel right to me. It feels like a failure to me. Or it doesn't feel like everything was done properly to me. Right. So, I mean, where, who's right or wrong in those cases? And this is, I think it also comes, this comes back to, you know, I think a lot of us roll our eyes when we hear about all these malpractice lawsuits day after day after. You hear about them all the time, all the time. Doctors leaving the leaving the field, which they love, because day after day they fear getting sued for not doing their job the way that right. their patients expect them to do their job. Um, it's just it's a slippery slope. It's a, it's a huge gray area. I mean, I don't know where I don't know where you draw the line or how you define success in some cases. It's, it's just it's it's a strange. It, it it's, is not, it's not like getting your car fixed where there's right. it, where it's yes, you fixed it. No, you did not fix it. If I'm still right. having the problem, fix it. 
But here's here's where I think this is what I love about. It. There's an article from Fast Company that we pulled, uh, and it says the guarantee program called Proven Care represents arguably the biggest challenge to the status quo, and that is the part I love. If you get into the to the economics of healthcare right now, the primary way that physicians, hospitals, providers are paid is called fee for service. Meaning you do something, you get paid for it, regardless of the outcome. And when that's the case, the incentives are completely misaligned. The incentives are aligned to do more, because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, I'm getting paid to do more. It doesn't matter whether you did it right. Now that's changing. They're trying to build more quality parameters into that. But this represents the flip of that, which is you get paid for the outcome that you should get based on following the right procedures. And if you don't, then you either don't get paid or you have to fix it, you know, you have to fix it with no additional cost. That should align the incentives to providing the right kind of care, not just to drive, you know, more MRIs because you make money, more labs, more surgeries, whatever, but what is the, think about back care, right? I mean, so often you hear that people with back problems they get surgery way too often. And it makes you wonder, well, that's because the system incents a lot of folks to push patients into surgery because they make more money from it. Mm-hmm. But if a doctor was paid to solve back problems, not to perform surgery, how many more would say, you know, really what you need is rest and let's monitor that rest and let's do these exercises because, because in the end, the outcome is a healthy patient, right. not a thing that you get paid for. Right. And I, I agree with that in theory. I just think it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, mm-hmm. to do It's hot. It's cause every, it's a case by case basis. There's, you can't. Well, but a lot of people would say there are best practices you should follow. You can't always guarantee what's going to happen as an outcome of them. But if you follow these best practices, for example, you're likely to cut your infection rate down to one in a million or one in a right. thousand or whatever. So if you can demonstrate that you followed those, you're right, Adam. You can't guarantee that something fluky happens with somebody that nobody could foresee. But, but I definitely think it's, it takes courage to go out and do something nobody else is doing, right? Yeah. We, can, we can debate till the cows come home whether it's you know, the economics and all of, you know, the big picture stuff. Uh, it, but certainly, it certainly is going, going out on a limb. Yes, and, it, and it, it's marketing. You know, I don't think they did this for a marketing perspective i think they did it for a quality improvement perspective in other words they improved the product in my sense which makes the marketing that much easier I, I, it's possible they did this as a you know to get buzz and whatever but boy you're really shaking up the system in a big way and if you're doing that just for pr i don't think it flies it has to be because the physicians the leaders believe in it from a process quality care delivery standpoint but then that makes it a great marketing opportunity. Okay, so very interesting kind of a way to think about it from that perspective. The other one I just wanted to throw out was Allegiant Health out of Omaha, Nebraska, who's gone a long way to uh, promoting transparency of pricing. Uh, and, and we've talked about them before. We'll provide a link to their website. But again, I just think that's, I don't think that's a marketing strategy, or at least that's not how it originated. It was, it, I know it originated originally to help. It originated originally. <laughs> <laughs> it started in the beginning. How about another redundancy? To, uh, to help their own employees deal with the, with the new consumer-driven health plan. And, it, and again, if you're going to give people a $3,000 deductible, you need to arm them with the information on how best to spend that money. And so they, they tried to figure out, well, how do we arm our own people with that information? 
and then they expanded that to their patient base and their communities. So again, I don't think that's a marketing strategy, uh, but it certainly turns into a marketing advantage and a branding advantage if you're doing it right. Any more you guys can think of before we move on? Do you want me to play some more ocarina? <laughs> Break the spirit? No. Oh, Adam's going to play. Adam's actually a musician, so he could actually play a tune. Go ahead. I've never played it. I don't even know where to blow into the thing. Well, there's a little sign that says blow here. What? <laughs> See it? Look. There. There you go. Get a little closer there. You got to get closer to the mic. God, you're not good. Weak. <laughs> you got to put, just get right up there. Get intimate with it. You're too far put away. Your, put your mouth on it. You don't blow on a flute from three inches away. You're going to put your mouth right on the iPhone? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's not good with kids. It doesn't sound sanitary. You get macaroni and cheese sauce right up in your microphone. Mm. Yours sounds terrible. I can do mine later. I'm gonna... <laughs> it's because you got the new iPhone. I had the volume turned way down. Oh, you've got a lot of... There you go. See, but he just embraced that iPhone. That's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> That's a nice musical interlude between topics. I think we should introduce <laughs> that. That's nice. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. Um, I had coffee this morning with Sarah Burkle from Ebenezer, which is a long-term care uh, division of Fairview. So big system in town. We've talked about Fairview before. Sarah actually lives like three blocks from me. And we found that out. We've known each other for a few years. But we just found that out recently. So now we're grabbing coffee every once in a while at the local coffee shop. And I'm trying to get her on the podcast. So if you know Sarah and you hear this, send her an email and let's apply some peer pressure to get her on here. But I asked her this morning, we talked and if there's anything she'd like to hear about. And because she deals with long-term care, she struggles constantly with an issue that I think a lot of healthcare marketers uh, potentially could struggle with, which is who is your audience? Meaning the folks that they serve in long-term care are seniors. So people that are either needing independent housing, uh, they're needing some kind of nursing home care, whatever. But often the folks helping make that decision, depending how far along the patient is, are what she calls adult children. So that's kind of like start in the beginning or originally the orientation was. It sounds redundant, but it's not. Or is it redundant or oxymoron? That's an oxymoron. Thank you. <laughs> What'd you call That's me? An oxymoron. <laughs> well, it's not though. It's 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 basically it's like me. I'm an adult, forty one, mm -hmm. and I have parents who someday may need long term care. And so if depending on the state they're in, I may not only influence them, I may actually make the decision. Right. So trying to decide when you have that kind of mix, who are you targeting? Uh, that's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> so I, I would, yes. it would be interesting to hear from other folks in that situation. How do they, you know, because it's, you can't, for example, have a marketing plan. If you're Ebenezer, that's all encompassing. In other words, you've got different audiences with very different needs, very different messaging points. Uh, you know, you could, we talked a lot about, she could reach, the adult children on Facebook, because they're the growing, the biggest part of Facebook now, people like me, uh, but you're not going to be able to reach their folks who are 70, 80, most likely. They're not really adapting to Facebook. So you have to divide your messaging and divide your efforts. Uh, I was trying to think of other examples where that's the case. 
So how about just adults of pediatric patients? Right? I mean, your patient is the kid, but you are, you better be marketing to the the parent, right? Yes? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't case. you think? Yeah, I mean, don't you, I mean you're going to have a nine-year-old kid with diabetes is not going to be making the care decisions. I don't think. I could not imagine. Well, I mean, definitely, I would almost flip it. They're the influencer in that case. If it, if a kid is having a bad experience, that can impact what the, the parent thinks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But from a marketing communication standpoint, so websites, advertising, collateral, social media, you're not going to reach that nine-year-old. Right. For sure, right? the parents. Yeah. Don't you think there's there's enough examples, though, of pediatric service marketing that seems to be oriented toward kids? Yes. Yeah. Like, well, because we're talking about kids, we should everything make should it feel childish yeah. and yeah, yeah. That's like marketing to women that has pink all over it, right, all the time, right. Uh, am I off there, Jackie? I mean, I just think no, I think that's right. a tad stereotypical. I yeah, yeah. you like pink, right? right oh, on? I love pink. Pink yeah. is the new black. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought nice. gray was the new black. <laughs> pink is the new gray. <laughs> I mean, that's a stereotype, but so, so those are some examples of where you've got, uh, patient audiences, but you need to focus on somebody else. I'm trying to get Jackie's attention. She's falling asleep. (laughs) (laughs) It's flailing. What about examples of other influencer audiences that are overlooked? I'm going to speak up for all the fathers in the world. I don't under, I mean, clearly when a woman's pregnant, she is the bomb. She is the target. You need to you need to go after the woman in that case. But don't you think there's a missed opportunity to go after fathers? In whatever way. I mean, they certainly can influence the decision in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you can create a program that's geared toward fathers-to-be, classes, or I don't know what, don't yeah. you think that would help influence or no? Do we, I don't know. Just... I put myself in that boat. What, fathers-to-be? No. You got news for us? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> but, I mean, I put myself in that boat as being someone who could be in that situation soon and probably will be in that situation soon, potential target. And um, I don't know what could be done to target me. I think back to other situations where I've – felt like I played a support role in decisions that were being made. And the biggest one that comes to mind is, was our wedding. Whereas sure. I felt like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I didn't want to screw anything up. you know. Just so you did not play an influencer role? It sounds like you were the... Well, we, I, obviously we've made a lot of the decisions together. But I, when it came down to a lot of the things, I was like, just tell me what to do. Right. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have to figure it out. You tell me what, how you want. This is our thing but it's there's it has a different meaning to women than it does i think to men not that it doesn't mean anything to me and not that it, for the men. wedding or the pregnancy or both probably probably both on some level well, i was I mean, sure the I, pregnancy is right and i'm not and I, just, I don't <laughs> we know better than i don't mean to downplay there. that that it means nothing to men right that's what it, i'm it saying it means something different right to, to women um so i don't know 
I don't know what you would do off the top of my head, what you would do to target men. I think that it probably is a missed opportunity. I'm just struggling to figure out how someone would target you, me if I were What if you had a program that said how to help your wife through pregnancy, which involved classes, online tools, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily trying to get you to decide where to go, but just by offering that service as a husband well, I think, or as a father I to think, be. I think those, I mean, that, those ex- exist. They're not promoted as being as that. I mean, those are... But do they exist related to care providers? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the programs that I yeah, used right. to be involved in had a male component to them. They ex- expected that husbands were going to be coming along, and there was things for them, literature for them, parts of classes for them. Yeah, you're right. Um, definitely they weren't that. they weren't put in the forefront when those things were promoted, but right. they definitely exist. Yeah, you're right. On a level, it's been a while since I've had a baby, so <laughs> maybe I'm out of the loop. But you're right. You're right. <laughs> Okay, so another that would be an example. I think another overlooked influencer audience are physical trainers, the folks at Lifetime Fitness, whoever. Uh, boy, they see a lot of people right before they need orthopedic help. And if there's some way to tap into that, I think people try to do that, but another example of an influencer audience. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're running out of time. We wanted to cover one more thing because we just love this ad, right? Jackie, you brought up this ad. Not a healthcare ad, but it's it's Lincoln, and it's their MKS, MKS. Are you gonna try to play MKZ. it? You're gonna try to play it. We just love this Major Tom song, but the visuals on it, we'll we'll definitely put a link to this. Hopefully, you can hear this. But if you can't, well, I'm gonna start singing. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, this is gonna be boring podcast because they're not gonna be able to hear it. I'll get the music. Oh, we all sing right it, here. I'll ready? Get it in the back there. Four, three, two, one. Come on, sing. I don't know the words. I just oh, know come that. on. You've never heard this? this oh, I've you heard know, the this song. I just don't you guys know time. No, no, no. You, were probably like, you guys were like four and seven or something when this song what came out. What year do you think that was? 1982 or three. Not that version so of it. I was like six or I seven. I was born to that year. Yeah. <laughs> the original version of that song, which is a takeoff on the original Tom Bowie. Tom Major Bowie? Tom. <laughs> I say Tom Bowie? Yeah. Tom Bowie. <laughs> what is his name? David. David Bowie. <laughs> Had Major Tom, and then somebody created kind of a disco-ish version. It wasn't even a version. It was a takeoff on I it. I didn't even know that was a takeoff on that s- song. It just uses Major Tom as an astronaut, which oh. that maybe that comes from somewhere else in literature, and David Bowie played it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they're very cool <laughs> ads because the car like comes shooting in from space, and it looks like a silver <clears throat> comet, and then it, you know, all of a sudden it, transforms into a car racing along a black background. Well, it's very it's very interesting to to compare that commercial to like um <clears throat> I don't know I, I never saw any of the Scion commercials on TV but I would see them in the movie theater. Yeah. Did you do you no. have no. any recollection of that? But they were vi- Scions are targeted to young to young generations who are just able to afford their first car because they're they we, we I own one so they, I mean I'm probably on the on the older end of their target market, um, but they're cool little cars. They're fun to drive. They are kind of a no hassle policy when you're buying them. So it's kind of a, people who are afraid to go to a car dealership because they don't want to get harassed by the people trying to get them to buy everything under the sun when it comes to options and whatnot. But their their marketing was they had really cool hip commercials that were very similar to this one, right. which is a bit surprising because this to me feels like Lincoln is targeting a market that Lincoln normally does not target. <laughs> my dad. 
yeah, is who they would normally target. Yeah. So this is this this feels like it's getting into that that yeah. scion approach to advertising, which is kind of cool. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing Lincoln and in Cadillac a few Cadillac years ago came out with, too, a, new, yeah. with a new car. He used Led um, Zeppelin. Yeah, and it was a very sporty oh, yeah. car. And yeah. I actually when I when I bought when I got my Xterra several years ago, that car was new. So it was probably about five or probably actually more like seven or eight years ago, I guess. Um, but I had considered that car because those commercials kind of yeah. pulled me in. I was like, that's, that's a cool looking car. Yeah, yeah, they're neat ads. We'll put a link to it, but they're, I'm going to go out and get the song for my iTunes yes. immediately because I just think it's such a cool that's song. That's a good song. The song makes a commercial. It's yeah. a creepy song. Can you, you get this version of it? Though? I kind of like that version of it. I, I would assume you can. Yeah. I don't want the 80s version of it. I couldn't find the 80s version when I looked before. So if you can get the remix, I think there's like four or five versions out there. Well, there it says right there on the thing in the credits. Features a new cover of Peter Schilling's major Peter Schilling. Song. Yep, that was the one. Coming that, home. Oh, it's Shiny Toy Guns. I know, I know that. I've that's got a the bunch one of we stuff. just. Okay, so huh. we'll put all that in there, but we, we invite you to check it out. <laughs> it is a cool ad. Okay, we better wrap it up because we're like pushing a half hour. We are. Wow. Okay, so for Healthcare Marketing Insights, I'm Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Ritacco. And we're going we're gonna to play it out with some. Are you ready? Adam? Yep. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Here we go.